It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. And Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. Light it up on a Friday, Friday edition of Light the Tower on the Horn. Live, local, and digital on the Horn app at hornfm.com. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, we thank you so much for being a part of today's presentation. Craig Way on vacation, Cameron Parker out a day early before the holiday weekend. I am Jeff Howe. I am in here with you, taking you through the next two hours of our live local programming, our little two-hour slice of heaven here. Joining me for today's show, Behind the Glass... He's been behind the glass for this show a time or two. Jumping Jack Farrell, usually hear his handiwork on Texas baseball or many of the other broadcasts, some weekend broadcasts here on the Horn. Jack, how are you this morning, sir? I am simply excellent, Jeff. Happy awesome, to be here. man. Good. Sweet. You sound like you're ready to rock and roll, man. Doing a little, little, little bit better than I am this morning. Got a NBA free agency eve. Should be a wild and wacky day. Already got it kicked off last night. I'm going on vacation myself after this. I was wondering with Chad afterwards as well. It's a big yeah. day for me. It's a good day. I was wondering, you know, we I let people have been uh, wanting more Cameron Parker. Like Cam needs his own show, so I gave Cam yesterday, and we're gonna have like the Cameron Parker NBA free agency update every every once a segment, you know, throughout at least through next week until you know the the free agency frenzy dies down. But Jack, you uh, you like some basketball. You, the the couple of times you've been in here, you've been able to talk basketball. Give me give me one thing, Jack, that's top of mind for you. When NBA free agency, what is it? Is it five thirty our time? Six thirty Eastern? I believe so. It yeah. and it all you know. There's a crazy amount of tampering that yeah. goes on. The teams are already talking to guys, getting agreements on contracts. You know how free agency starts and then 10 dudes sign right away? I heard, I heard Rod tampering. Babers just talked about this, about, uh, you know, dirty recruiting tactics. Uh, you know, schools recruiting against each other, talking about, about coaches. It's kind of like NBA free agency. I'll borrow the Rod Babers analogy. It's kind of like going number one in the shower. Everybody does it, just you don't talk about it openly. It's one of those deals. Give me something that's top of mind for you as NBA free agency gets ready to start. I, as a Rockets fan, I am looking at uh, you know what we're going to do. We have the most cap space in the league, but uh, top of mind is what is going on with this James Harden thing, because it sounds like he will not be back in Philly, even though he has opted into his player option. It sounds like they're going to be working on a trade. Clippers sound like the front runner for James Harden. It's just a very bizarre situation. I'm also very curious to see what the Dallas Mavericks are going to do. Yeah, they were uh, with Kyrie and uh, you know filling out the rest of the roster. They were trying to they they had been trying to swing a deal for DeAndre Ayton. Didn't really excite me a whole lot as a Mavs fan. But I'm like, well, okay, I guess you're doing something to make the roster better. But that's not going to happen because the Suns are fully expecting to have DeAndre Ayton back at least as of right now. And other than re-signing Kyrie, you know maybe you can bring Dwight Powell back. It, it's unfortunate. It seems like JaVale McGee is productive wherever he goes, except Dallas, the couple of swings he's had through there. That apparently was the hang-up in a potential DeAndre Ayton deal. As the, the Suns are like, look, we'll take some of your garbage. We're going to take all of your garbage. 
We'll take some of your bad contracts, just not JaVale McGee's bad contract. And I, don't even, I, can't, I don't even know what JaVale makes per year. I, I, know it's, I know it's not cheap. But like the Tim Hardaway Jr. contract, they were thankfully about to get out from underneath that deal. So uh, NBA, we'll, we'll have some NBA free agent talk. We'll talk Texas football, definitely talk Texas baseball. The Woody Williams news, I mean, literally, as, as Cameron and I are saying goodbye yesterday, that thing broke. Kendall Rogers of D1Baseball.com was the first to report that Woody Williams will not be back with the Longhorns in 2024. I was able to confirm that with a source shortly after our show ended. So not that I ever doubt anything Kendall reports, but you always got to do your own reporting. You know that, Jumping Jack. So uh, confirm that, and for the second offseason in a row, David Pierce looking for a pitching coach. This will be the fourth pitching coach he's had to go to during his tenure. Started out with Phil Haig, who was the volunteer assistant, then it was Sean Allen, then Woody Williams, and now looking for another pitching coach. So we'll get into that. Got a flex segment also coming up today. Inconceivable is going to close out hour number one, as it always does. It's Friday, so I'm going to go to the Sunshine State, grab that low-hanging fruit, reach reach way down, and pick it up off the ground, cradle it. So we'll grab that low-hanging fruit from the Sunshine, Sunshine State on a Florida Friday. I don't know if you can tell, Jack, I'm a little bit punchy this morning. I haven't been sleeping good. I don't know why. I haven't been sleeping good lately. I was awake from 1 a.m. until almost 5 a.m. this morning. Just ran just one of those deals. You, some some nights you have that, like you just wake up and you can't go back to sleep. I had one of those. So I was trying to watch YouTube videos and you know just play games on my phone or count sheep, and I tried all different kinds of stuff and just didn't really didn't really work. Even at one point, I tried to be counterproductive. I'm like, okay, maybe if I drink a Coke Zero out of the fridge, maybe since my body needs sleep, then it'll accelerate like a caffeine crash. Like a sugar crash, that didn't really work either. So that that's what I was desperate feeling. That's what <laughs> that's what I was running. I'm at the bottom of the barrel in terms of ideas. It's it, it, at that point you're you really are on the Argo plan. What's the best bad idea I have right now? Couldn't get it done. Uh, John in the Bay, thank you for all of your uh, contributions to the show. So speaking of going number one in the shower, we all know George Costanza did that at the gym. Yeah, well, it's it's true. It's true. I've had to explain to. Uh, you know, you usually do this with young children. I've had to explain to my daughter why drinking pool water, like, you know, even if the kids want to do the game where, like, you know, you're drinking some water and you spit it out like you're mimicking a fountain. I've had to explain to her, you know, we don't really, don't really put the pool water in your mouth. Just swim in it because it's, it's disgusting. Even though I did have somebody legitimately try to explain to me, give me like a parts per million argument. I'm like, no, I'm you're. Really, if you think about what you do in the pool, you're really marinating in everybody else's filth. It's even if yeah. there are only trace amounts of pee, you're still it's still you're pee. still swimming in yeah. pee. Yeah. <laughs> trace trace amounts is enough, Jack. Trace amounts is enough. Um, we are definitely we're gonna. Did I mention we're gonna give away a copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine? We will do that. Hey, I don't know if anybody's watching on Twitch, but I finally have my copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. So I didn't even have one yet. I got that delivered. This morning, thank you, Derek Cohen. Derek's handling all of our uh, our mailings, our mailings for the uh, or mailings for the magazine. If you don't win one on Light the Tower, we're not giving one away right now. We're, we'll give one away at some point in the show. If you want a copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, and I still have not heard that these are out on newsstands yet, go to the website. Go to hornfm.com. We're giving away more magazines on the website this year than we've ever done before. This is a Craig Way tradition going back. I don't know, 20 years, 15 plus 20 years, 
never before have we used the online presence as much as we're using it this year. So get over to hornfm.com, check out how you can get a copy of the magazine there. Jack, I noticed you're wearing a horn hat, dude. How are, how are you the only person, on-air talent, anybody in this building that wears horn paraphernalia? Okay, so last year we were helping set up for Coke Fest. Uh, this is a great story. We went to the office. Uh, I saw a few laying around. And I said, hey, Derek, can I take a couple of these? And he said, yeah. That's the end of that story. <laughs> Riveting. I know. It's a mind blower. Riveting. I find I'm, if you just ask people for stuff, they give it to you. It's yeah. nice. Uh, this texter says, Jeff should try it. Jack, I don't, do you know anything about vitamins or supplements? Do you, do you live in that realm at all? Not really, but I know what they're talking all about. Right. Delta you have to explain this to me. He said, Jeff should try Delta 8 or 9 gummies. They'll relax you enough that you... I guess sleep deep, not deep sleep. But what what, what are we talking about? Delta eight, Delta nine. It's uh, it's in the CBD family. It's uh, okay. All it's right. basically like weed divided by two. Okay. You know, so not quite the full thing, but so it's like it'll that mill parts out, per million thing we're talking about. Urine yeah, pool, so. like trace amounts. It's just uh, slightly different, somehow legal, where the the real stuff isn't. I'm I'm not sure. So like, can I go down to any any? It smoke feels, or gifts if, shop. Yeah, it feels like uh, smoke shops, vape shops, and CBD shops, they're like the new uh, like the new mattress stores. Like I see one popping up on in every strip mall. Oh, they're so everywhere. Pretty much between here and San Antonio. Yeah, they're all When I lived place. down near campus, we had a choice of like three or four different smoke <laughs> shops within a two-minute walk. We, we had to decide which brands we were loyal to. Yeah, the, the, pretty much what you just said, Jack. This text says, "Sort of weed gummies, not enough weed. Get you some real gummies, Jeff. You'll love them." See, now you now you're crossing the line talking about me doing something nefarious that could get me in trouble with the law in the state of Texas. So we're not uh, we're not going there. But yeah, I don't know why I've been having trouble sleeping lately. It just, it, my my sleep issues come and go. I don't know what triggers it or anything. But uh, I'm shocked that legalize it would uh, contribute on the specs text line on anything. Uh, anything revolving in the THC realm, anything in that world. So, uh, anyway, Jack just gave you what's top of mind for him on NBA free agency. It's always weird this time of year because there's no real sports to talk about. Baseball, there's just not enough meat on the bone yet to really get into it. Basketball's over. We're too far out from football to really talk about it. Uh, you know, all kinds of – not not a whole lot going on. I mean, we got – what is this, Formula One or, or something, I don't know, on the TV right now. So – it, I, I caught uh, B&E on the way in, and E. Hogan was playing the Bob Stoops audio where Bob Stoops was giving a nice counterpoint to the Colin Cowherd point that Nebraska, Oklahoma is headed the way of Nebraska in football. We, uh, we've talked a decent amount about Oklahoma football this week and, and some of the challenges facing Brent Venables. And, and basically, what are the odds that Oklahoma is going to hire a Hall of Fame caliber coach for the third time in a row? They, they Oklahoma traditionally – has made really good coaching hires pretty much in the, in the modern era. Pretty much since World War II, they made really good coaching hires. There was that John Blake situation. But he, even they can get it wrong from time to time. But Brent Venables would have to succeed at a level that law of averages tells you he's probably not going to get to to be able to do what Lincoln Riley and Bob Stoops did. I, I think saying they're going the way of Nebraska is going overboard heading into the SEC. But at any rate, because Bob Stoops is exactly right. Like If you go to Dallas-Fort Worth, Oklahoma has a presence in the Metroplex that Nebraska never has, never will. It's just not going to happen. They're not close to one of these big metro areas where you can go and, and, and pluck guys from. And it can be your home away from home, so to say, in recruiting. I don't see Oklahoma going that way. But a lot of talk 
Jack Farrell about is Texas the team to beat in the Big 12? Cameron and I talked about this a lot the last couple of days, so I want to get your thoughts on it. I came to the conclusion before we really dug into the nitty-gritty, I'm like, if you look at the Big 12, I, I don't see any of the newcomers being able to compete for a conference championship this year. Maybe, maybe UCF could sneak in there. Veteran quarterback, I like Gus Malzahn. You know, their roster decent. Uh, you know, Cincinnati's kind of in in reload mode with a new head coach. Houston is it feels like that thing is on four flat tires heading towards the edge of the cliff under Dana Holgerson. Uh, so, you know, in, in BYU who really knows what to expect from Kalani Sataki and his group. But you look at the where the arrow is trending for a lot of schools in the Big 12. I mean, TCU, you have to give them their respect for making the, the national championship game last year. But they lose Max Duggan. They lose a lot on defense that they got to replace. You look at Kansas State, life without Deuce Vaughn. They've got a lot of pieces to replace. Uh, so you give them their respect. Baylor under Dave Aranda is one of those programs that I just don't, I don't really know kind of where they are right now. Two years removed from winning the conference. I just don't really know. I don't, I don't trust Blake Shapin, and they brought in some – they brought in a couple of different guys to compete with him during spring ball. Sawyer Robertson, who's a Texas kid, transferred from Mississippi State. Uh, R.J. Martinez, a former Westwood kid, brought him in to compete for that quarterback job, and Blake Shapin left spring as their starting quarterback. So I just don't, don't really know where Baylor is. And, you know, can Iowa State make that big of a jump? You know, they, they've got a – they're one of the few teams in the Big 12 that has a veteran returning quarterback. Hunter Decker started every game for them last year. You know, Oklahoma State, who knows what they're going to do at quarterback with Alan Bowman. We saw what was behind Spencer Sanders last year, and their depth left a lot to be desired. So you figure Alan Bowman was going to be a walk-in starter for them. But that program, at the risk of repeating myself, it Oklahoma State feels a lot like TCU with Gary Patterson at the end where maybe it might be – just time for, for Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy to, to part ways and move on. I just wonder how many more bear traps Mike Gundy can step in before there's one he can't get out of. So I'm thinking, Jack, I don't know where you are, but before you get into what Texas has and start looking, because and, and, there's certainly things you could pick apart with Texas, it almost feels by like default you'd say Texas is the team to beat in the Big 12. I mean, yeah, we've we've heard this before. This is the year we're, we're loading up. It's a weak conference. I think Texas is the preseason A favorite and preseason best team. There really isn't an excuse this year. It's a down year for the Big 12. Maybe Kansas State, but you've had your way with Kansas State the last several years, and I believe we got them at home now. Yes, the, that game so, was at home. Chris Kleiman is 0 for his tenure against Texas. Yeah, so I just don't see any, I mean, other than catastrophic injury to several key players, Texas should be the favorite in the Big 12, and if, if they don't get it done this year, eh, I feel like you, you start to have those conversations. You ask questions about... What's the ceiling on it? Because, you know, Steve Sarkeesian, he's un- still kind of an unproven commodity. He hasn't gotten For over sure, the yeah. hill as a head coach. So I think uh, at a certain point you're like, well, the recruiting's here. Everything's here. We have the coordinators and everything that we want. But if you still can't get over the hump in the Big 12 in 2023, yikes. That's well, let, yikes. Me ask, let me ask you this, Jack. I, I asked Cameron the same thing, and, and he and I both came to, to this conclusion. We'll see if, you, you, if this is where you are with Texas. Jack Farrell doing a, doing a great job already filling in for Cameron. Cameron will be back on Wednesday, but Jack is is one of our young up-and-coming stars here at the Horn. When you think about Texas being a contender in the Big 12 and maybe being the preseason favorite, do you feel like you're not talking yourself into it as much as maybe you have in previous years when you've looked at Texas as maybe being a contender to get to 
to get to a conference championship game or win the conference. At this point in preseason Texas football, I don't look at the upside. I look at like where are the holes and what could derail us? Because I was a student. My senior year was Sark's first year. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a young person. Man, so, you... Ugh. Yeah, sorry. I, you, there's, you're, you're in a string of, of, of UT grads here at the Horn that weren't in school when this football program was consistently good. No, I was uh, nine when, when Colt <laughs> got hurt in the national championship. So I most of my life at this point has been mediocrity. So I, I just try to look and see what are the things that could derail us because I don't want to buy into the hype. And it, this is just one of those years... I, I'm kind of buying into the hype. I just don't see maybe secondary depth or, or rather linebacker depth or something, but I just everything's lined up. I know there's now a hole in the in the running game, but I trust Steve Sarkeesian to kind of plug in the, the bevy of talent that we have and, and find a way. I think one of those dudes is going to win out and be a very excellent back for Texas this year. I just don't see the thing. That's going to derail you. Maybe nationally, maybe you're not a national title contender quite yet. But I think if you're not taking care of business in the Big 12, that's that's going to be an issue. I do think, for me anyway, when you talk about the and I've been asked this a couple of couple of times this week on the Specs text line. 337-3776, by the way, is the Specs text line. Like, what concerns you about this Texas team? And I, I always kind of go back to the same three things that, I think could be issues with Texas. So everybody said, Jeff, how can you talk bad about all these other Big 12 teams? Texas hasn't done anything in you know 15 years, blah, 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 blah. Okay, I'm about to give you my, concern, my major concerns with Texas. I think if Texas doesn't make the Big 12 championship game, which that to me is, that's where the bar is set. you got to get to Arlington. Which if you get there, if you think about it, in the regular season, you're you're at nine or ten wins to get you there. So you then you've got a chance to really go be a double digit win team. Are you in the playoff? It depends. Does the it, I've already heard, and this is where to go back to the Bob Stoops point about Colin Cowherd. This is the year where we're all just trying to fill airtime and trying to think of, think of creative stuff to get the conversation going. I've already heard a lot of stuff, Jack. Is is this the year that the SEC finally cannibalizes itself to the point where maybe an SEC team doesn't get into the playoff? I know, I know. I've I've heard that and tried to tried to wrap my head around it. But uh, at any rate, these are the three things that really concern me about Texas. Number one, if they don't get to the Big Twelve championship game, I think a lot of it will have to do with lack of growth at the quarterback position. Yes. In other words, Quinn Ewers doesn't make the necessary strides to get Texas to that level. Not saying it's going to be where Quinn is a hindrance. It just doesn't help you enough to get you over the hump. What you need, what you should expect from a veteran quarterback going into year two in Sark's offense, I think it would be something with the quarterback position. Two, it would be defensively for Texas, the Gary Patterson factor was a lot greater in the success of that defense last year than we gave it credit for. If 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 there's a significant step back on defense or it's about the same. You know, it doesn't really improve, and that's where you can get into the Bucky Godbolt conversation of you're either green and growing or you're ripe and rotten. If you're not getting better, you're getting worse. Like Maybe you just don't make big strides forward on defense. And there are some things with this defense. Like, you know, I've talked about the need to just make more splash plays. Like, and you look at the sack numbers, and the sack numbers are what they are. 
And they really jump out when you consider Texas was one of the best defensive fronts in the country. If you look at the pro football focus numbers, just in terms of generating pressure, it just didn't finish plays. It's Finishing more plays is the next step this defense has to take. And it's not just sacks. It, like I said, it's tip passes, it's interceptions, it's getting off the field on third down. It's all that stuff that we talked about last year when the defense suffered, when the defense couldn't get off the field, they couldn't uh, you know, finish off opponent drives when they had them backed up, they had them into a corner and you know, third and double digits and they would give up a first down or whatever the case was. That's the kind of stuff this year that needs to get fixed. If that stuff doesn't go forward on defense – I would go back and look at the Gary Patterson factor and think, okay, maybe he played a much bigger role than any of us thought. And the third thing is, it all comes down to coaching. And again, Second I don't, halves I don't, I don't want anybody to start consuming alcohol this early in the morning, but you might take a shot for every time I've said this. If Texas isn't in the Big 12 championship game, it's because Steve Sarkeesian did not give Texas, you can call it a schematic advantage, schematic edge, Coaching edge, game management edge, whatever it is, didn't get to, didn't do enough to get Texas over the hump because the two things I look at with Sark, there's a couple of things you look at with Sark, but you look at his record as a head coach, hasn't done very well against coaches that have winning records. When he hasn't he's he hasn't had a great deal of success against winning head coaches, number one. Number two especially at Texas, his teams have really struggled on the road. You look at the home road splits of his team, of his two Texas teams, drastically different products, road compared to home. And then I always go back to Jack, the close games. Man, the, the Tom Herman era taught me a lot about one-score games because in this league you do end up playing a lot of close games because – you you know you can have the discussion, is the Big 12 a great league? Uh, I can tell you this, great is a – certain term that can be debated all day. I think it's a very competitive league, top to bottom. And that's proven in the number of one-score games teams play. Go look at Chris Kleiman's been in a bunch of those. Matt Campbell has been in a bunch of those. Joey McGuire was in a bunch of them last year at Texas Tech. Venables was in them last year at Oklahoma. Sark's been in them at Texas. And Sark's record in, in games decided by eight points or less at Texas is 4-10. and ten. Can he give Texas whatever that edge is and manage the game accordingly to help you get over the hump when you do face those. And hopefully, as time goes on, your roster is at the point where you're playing a smaller number of those, but those three to four games a year decided by eight points or less, can he give you that edge where you're winning, where you're at the very least splitting those or maybe winning the majority of those? That's the kind of stuff that gets you from like, you know, an eight, eight or nine win team to now you're a double digit win team in the regular season and going into a conference championship game thinking about, okay, you got a realistic shot to get in the playoff. So that sets the table for today's show for a Friday edition of Light the Tower. Again, Specs text line is open 337-3776. Take a break, come back. We'll keep the conversation going and talk a little Texas baseball in this hour's edition of the Longhorn Notebook. We'll do that when we come back on a Friday edition of Light the Tower on the Horn, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Light the Tower with Craig Way and Jeff Howe. Shit. 
Rolling along Friday edition of Light the Tower on the horn. Jeff Howe, Jumpin' Jack Farrell behind the glass. Craig Way and Cameron Parker out today. We won't see Craig until Big 12 Media Days. They're coming up on July 12th and 13th at the Death Star in Arlington. Texas going on day one. I've already told you this week about the attendees joining Steve Sarkeesian. You've got Quinn Ewers, Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington, Jaday Barron, and Jalen Ford. Jaday Barron, one of Central Texas' own, a proud Connolly Cougar. So uh, maybe maybe we'll get Jaday to do a couple things on the on the flex side if we can while we're there. Uh, again, Specs text line is up at 337-3776. Go ahead and tell everybody right now. Okay? We This segment is when we will give away, at the end of the segment, we will give away our copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine for today. Again, if you're watching on Twitch, take a look. Be jealous. You know you are. Look, look at that. I have finally have in my hands my copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. You can get yours at the end of the segment. So I'd say right around 1042-ish, somewhere between 1040 and 1045. Be by the phone and call. You're going to want to call the hotline 447-3776. 447-3776 is the number you're going to want to call when we give the cue at the end of the segment to get your copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. But right now we got to keep the Texas conversation going, not Texas football in terms of the Royal Texas football across the state. We're talking about the Longhorns, and we'll talk a little Longhorn baseball in this hour's edition of the Longhorn Notebook. Longhorn Notebook. All right, so we were talking about the just kind of my concerns with Texas this year because we've talked a lot about the Longhorns and and, and all that other stuff, and uh, I want a little more time to look over this. So next hour in the Longhorn Notebook, Bill Connolly has his 2023 projections uh, with SP+. Plus and conference wins and all that other fun stuff for the Big 12 this year and predictions for Texas. And even even in I love in his write-up, I love what Bill Connolly does at ESPN, loved his work back when he was doing uh, just his S&P Plus report. Now it's the SP Plus with ESPN. But his first burning question, Jack, is Texas back for real this time? So I, saw, I knew this was going to be fun when I looked last night on the Twitter machine and – Actually, you know what? I, I I'll find it real quick because I actually I, I, I liked it. If you see me like something on Twitter, those of you who follow me at Jeff Howe two four seven, if you see me like something on Twitter, it's usually because not necessarily an endorsement. It's so I can go back and find it fairly easily. Yeah, Bill Connolly twenty three hours ago just finished tomorrow's Big Twelve preview, and man, if you blow this one, Texas dot dot dot. So Bill Connolly likes the Longhorns. We'll get into some of the nitty gritty uh, coming up in in the second hour. But I've just thought about, hey, what can go wrong for Texas? And I gave you the three things that concern me. The coaching edge that you need to get from Sark, development of Quinn Ewers, and was the Gary Patterson factor bigger than we gave it credit for? Of course, is the if the defense continues to make strides forward, then you really feel like, okay, at this point, PK's got it figured out. And as their personnel continues to get better through recruiting, you feel like that thing is really going to take off under his watch. But at any rate, uh, you know, We'll take your questions on Texas football. Also talk some Texas baseball. But we'll get to some Texas football feedback right now on the Specs text line. Uh, Stoner. Stoner has not been a big fan, Jack, of just wanting to praise Sark. And, and Stoner has concerns about Sark. Namely that uh, he said hasn't produced as an OC slash play caller, hasn't produced as a quarterback developer. Uh, those will torpedo a lot of talent advantage just as much as an advantage uh, there can overcome 
being talent deficient. I agree with that 100%. Offense is one side of the ball where a really good scheme and a quarterback, not necessarily a great transcendent quarterback, but a quarterback that complements and fits that scheme at a very high level can mask a lot of personnel deficiencies. Offense is the one side of the ball where you can do that. Mike Leach did it for years at Texas Tech. And we've seen other programs do it. Like, I can look at some of the Baylor quarterbacks Art Bryles had. Like, did Nick Florence do anything after he left Baylor? Did Bryce Petty do much of anything after he left Baylor? Uh, you know all those all those guys that they had. Uh, you know we've seen it. A lot of it is is guys that are in the the offenses that can you can trace back some of it's their roots to the air raid offense. Some of those quarterbacks in the struggle. Although we've seen air raid quarterbacks now be number one draft picks and Super Bowl MVPs and Super Bowl winners. So a lot of that. And I've had my rant about system quarterbacks and whatever. So I won't. I'll just direct you to the uh, the the horn. Uh, Instagram account if you want to go back and or actually my Instagram account at Jeff Howe two four seven on Instagram I've got my system quarterback uh, little rant little discussion pinned on my Instagram account if you want to go check that out. But I digress. Uh, you know we saw like I said we saw Mike Leach do it for years. We've seen other guys do it. You can mask a lot of deficiencies. Defense is the one side of the ball though. You can't mask talent deficiencies. You can you can have some exotics and you can do some different things, but to me, that's the thing, that's the difference, especially like I, I think about Oklahoma in 2019, Jack, when they got into the playoff and went and played LSU in the Peach Bowl. That Oklahoma team wasn't a bad team in 2019, but we kind of saw their one deficiency. They just, lacked, they just didn't have depth on defense. They had a couple of pieces that were nice, just didn't have depth. And, man, when they, when they went and played LSU in the Peach Bowl, they got flat out exposed up front. Really, and that offensive line was a good offensive line, but they got exposed on both sides just for their lack of depth defensively and LSU's front seven depth really just wore Oklahoma down. That game was never really close. And again, that was one of the LSU offense. It's one of the more prolific offenses we've seen in college football maybe ever. Like it's right up there with 05 Texas and you, know, you can look at the other prolific offenses that have been, you know, that Auburn offense with Cam Newton in 2010, that LSU offense was on fire. Sark's offense with Bama in 2020 was another one of those offenses. But, you know, you can mask your deficiencies, as Stoner points out. But, you know, well, I, don't, I wouldn't even say at this point Sark has torpedoed anything that Texas had going on the offensive side of the ball. I, I like Sark's scheme. I actually like Sark as an offensive mind. I think you look at his opening scripts, uh, some of the stuff, some of the stuff he calls within the flow of the game. I would just like to see the good stuff Sark does, and this isn't like the just call the touchdown play discussion. The stuff you see when he when his offense is really rolling, kind of those signatures, those hallmarks of a Steve Sarkeesian offense. Targets to motion. You know, multi-back sets, using the running backs. You know, you're not just over-relying on the deep ball. You're letting guys get the ball in space, uh, getting guys the ball in, in the middle of the field on crosses. They can catch it on the run. All that stuff we talk about, you know, the unbalanced line sets we've seen, whether it's that 6-0 line package or, you know, shifting guys over, whatever it is, those hallmarks that we've seen in Steve Sarkeesian offense, I just want to see those more often. Like, we've talked about a lot, about it a lot on Longhorn Blitz, Jack. You know, we've seen, we've seen Sark, we'll see a play call, in a game where one of the play calls I love, and we've seen him do this a couple of different times, you know, they'll be in like let's say eleven personnel. They'll shift a wide receiver into the backfield and then throw that wide receiver like a little flat route, and the receiver's open every time. It was the one that Casey Kane ripped off a big play on it in the bowl game. They've done it with X a few times. 
they'll do that play like once a game, and it'll it'll get huge yards. It, it'll be a chunk yardage play, and you never go back to it. I'm like, okay, shouldn't you shouldn't you maybe do that again? Just like mix it in a little bit more, and. You know, I think about like when Brian Harson was the offense coordinator at Texas, and I know Brian Harson had his faults. There was that Kansas game where he said he couldn't get Marquise Goodwin the ball because it wasn't on the right hash mark, and I about just lost it on an episode of Longhorn Blitz because I was flabbergasted. Like, you got a guy, I got a guy who's got literally world class speed, who's an Olympic level athlete, and you got to make sure the ball's on the right hash mark. I don't care what hash mark it's on, just get him the damn ball. But Marquise Goodwin was drastically underused, and that's drama for another day. But the one thing, one thing I, I came to like about Brian Harson. And every offensive coordinator, there's, as my late father was fond of saying, there's a lot of different ways to skin the cat. Every offensive coordinator has a different way of going about it. Brian Harson loved to set stuff up. He called them, you know, silver bullets he had in his game plan, whether it was a, a deep shot or, or most often not, it was going to be some kind of play action deep shot or a trick play. He would hammer a simple concept like outside zone, boom, boom, just hammer outside zone. And it's like, it, it almost, it's not, you know, it might be getting one or two yards of shots. Like, why does he keep hammering outside zone? Well, he's hammering outside zone because he's going to run some kind of play action off of it or some kind of trick play off of it. He's going to set something up, and you'll see it later in the game. You'll be like, oh, that's why they ran outside zone to the right side 15 times to set up this one play that went for a 60-yard touchdown. And I'm not saying Sark has to do that, but I just it just seems like sometimes Sark is just kind of calling plays, and there's no real, like, rhyme or reason why he's doing it it's just I, I don't know jack am i being too critical i just feel like i want to see more i want to feel like i understand the method to the madness when i watch like in sark's opening scripts you definitely see it you can tell what he's trying to get accomplished but within the flow of the game i just kind of want to get to the end of a steve sarkeesian game and be like yeah i understood the method to the madness there you see it sometimes i just don't think you see it consistently enough yeah i think you're absolutely right i mean from Year one and year two, we didn't totally see the second-half woes be rectified. I mean, just collapse after collapse, it felt like, throughout, especially uh, that first season, but even in year two. I think you're right when it, it seems like not only does the script get more conservative as the games go along, it seems like the, the play designs, like what they're trying to throw at a defense, trying to move pieces all over the field, run interesting routes out of the backfield with running backs, it seems like you see that less as the game goes on, it's yeah. remember the the old the turtle Tom criticism. I think you can say the same thing for Sark in in some ways. Yeah, I where I, where I don't think Sark and Tom Herman are alike is Tom Herman. A lot of times, just sometimes just wanted to line up and play, just play meathead football. Absolutely, I don't I don't get that with Sark as much, but I do feel like. Uh, to me, it comes back to, again, a topic we've talked If you're not a subscriber to the Longhorn Blitz podcast, you can get over to horns247.com and, and you know click the podcast drop-down or anywhere you get your podcast. If you're an Apple podcast, Spotify, whatever, just search Horns 24-7. You click that follow button. You get every episode of the Longhorn Blitz podcast when it drops in the feed. Oh, by the way, no Longhorn Blitz next week. We're taking the week off for the 4th of July, but we'll have our big mailbag episode on July 11th. But we talked a lot about it on on the Longhorn Blitz podcast, when we talk about Sark as a play caller, you know, again, we talked about needing to see some of those signatures more often. And one of those signatures is creativity in the run game. And I think the the example I go back to, maybe at this point it's unfair to keep, keep going back to it, Jack, but I go back to the Oklahoma game Sark's first year 
where you you saw what the you saw what they were trying to get accomplished. They had the big lead, and Sark wanted to put the ball in the hands of Bijan and Roshan and finish that game off running the football. The problem was they really were trying to just stick with one or two basic zone concepts. And Oklahoma, you know, Alex Grinch at that point was like, "Look, we're just going to sell out." Every single play, trying to stop their zone run game. And you know what? If we give up a touchdown, we're going to give it up anyway. Or maybe we'll get lucky and get a couple of negative plays, and then they're behind the chains, and then we actually have a chance to stop them. And Sarkom, it almost felt like in the process of trying to play to his strength and put the ball in the hands of his running back, you actually ended up playing to, the, to, the, to really what was the only option Oklahoma had to try to win the game at that point. So I just feel like when when Sark is at his best, and, what, and especially going back to your point with Wonder, hey, which of these backs is going to step up? I, I keep saying it, and Cameron and I were kind of on the same page with this. If Texas is going to have a thousand yard back, if they're going to have that workhorse back, I think it's going to be Jonathan Brooks because I think he's going to get every opportunity to try to be that guy. But you don't have the luxury of just knowing how Bijan and Roshan could maximize runs. You need to be more creative in your run game. You need to have zone concepts. You need to have pin-pull concepts. You need to have gap concepts. You need to have a diverse run game. You need to be able to run it out of 11 personnel, out of 12 personnel, out of an extra O-line package, out of multi-back sets, with motion, uh, with you know leveraging your formation different ways. You've got to be able to mix it up a little bit because you just can't turn around and just think, yeah, regardless of, of what the defense throws at you, whatever look you're in, you know, you, you can, whatever look you show them, your running back is going to get you four or five yards just because they're that good and they can maximize runs. A lot of that's going to fall on the offensive line too, uh, but I, I do think diversity in the run game is going to be really big. Uh, so We're getting some really good feedback on the Specs text line, and I'll, I'll, I'll get to this in the top of hour number two. Uh, Robert and Giddings and uh, you know Daryl, I see you chipped, you, you chipped in your, some of your thoughts also. Uh Stoner, obviously, we got into some of yours. I, I do want to get to some of this, though. Don't want to let these good thoughts, these good takes go to waste. So we'll get to that at the top of hour two. But right now, we got to hit the break. We've got Inconceivable closing out hour number one next. But right now, we're going to give away our copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine for today. And, you know, I just, I kind of want to give Jumpin' Jack Farrell a challenge, get those phone lines light, lighten up. So, That'd be caller 12. Caller number 12, 447-3776. Be caller 12 right now, and you win a copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. We'll be back with Inconceivable to close out our number one here on Light the Tower. On the Horn, live, local, and digital. On the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Craig Way and Jeff Howe, Light the Tower. Inconceivable. 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 You keep using the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. All right, we'll start off inconceivable. Uh, Jumping Jack Farrell, we heard, and we'd been reporting this at Horns 24-7 in relation to the SEC schedule and when the SEC might go to nine games with Texas and Oklahoma coming into the league. And it could be a couple years down the road when Disney is a little more flush with cash. They were looking to do some restructuring, and we heard layoffs were coming. And, man, have they come today. Uh, two of the big names – it said, uh, I'm reading from the Philadelphia Inquirer. ESPN is letting go about 20 on-air personalities as part of cutbacks at parent company Disney. Among the layoffs today, Jack, Jalen Rose and Jeff Van Gundy. Where, where are you on uh, Jeff Van Gundy, Jack? I, I'm not a fan, personally. I would not say I'm a big fan, but there's also some 
something about the relationship between those three guys that can be very grating at times. Of course, I mean, uh, Mike Breen and Mark Jackson along with JVG on ESPN uh, Basketball. So, I know, it's sad to see him go. He, he offered, a, or offered a fun grumpiness that I think that they will miss. So, among the other layoffs, Lafonso Ellis, if you're a college basketball fan, Lafonso Ellis, uh, among the, the cuts today at ESPN, we knew Neil Everett did not have his contract renewed, a uh, longtime Sports Center host. Chris Chelios, who I know, I knew Chris Chelios was doing some NHL uh, analyst work, he's gone. Rob Ninkovich, former Patriot, great. I, I'll be honest, I didn't even know Rob Ninkovich was working for ESPN, so he's part of the layoffs. Uh, ESPN also canceled its morning radio show hosted by Max Kellerman, Keyshawn Johnson, and Jay Williams. Uh, it also says Max, this uh, report from the Philadelphia Inquirer says Max Kellerman's status is also clouded by the arrival of Pat McAfee. So we'll have more on these ESPN layoffs. But yeah, your, your programming on the four-letter network going to look a little bit different in terms of some different faces. Uh, anything else to add to that, Jack? I don't know if you had more names in front of you. I knew you were looking at something there. I hadn't, but uh, it's a bloody Sunday over at ESPN. Brutal, man. Brutal. Money ain't what it used to be. All right. Uh, let's see, Jack. I've got two for our Florida Friday on Inconceivable. And thank you to CB for pointing me towards this one. I saw it, and CB really didn't even send it to me. I just saw it on his Twitter machine last night, and I'm like, well, that, that looks interesting. Uh, you want somebody arrested for shotgunning a twisted T, Jack, which involves an alligator, or would you like for me to dig in more to the story where the headline just starts with Florida man smoking meth shot? I mean, Florida man smoking meth shot, that's a well that you can always go back to. So let's hit that first. Meth, death, and animal attacks are our three pillars here on Inconceivable. And we're killing two birds with one stone. Dateline, Polk County, Florida. A suspect is dead after he fired shots at a Polk County SWAT team who returned fire, killing him Thursday night. Sheriff Grady Judd identified the suspect killed as 37-year-old Raymond Martinez, a man who had a lengthy criminal history, including 16 previous felony arrests. Why does that part of the story not surprise me in the process? I don't think you just go from normal, run-of-the-mill, law-abiding citizen to smoke meth, get in shootout with cops. I don't, think you, slope, I don't think you make that leap. That's that's going to a pretty dark place pretty quick. At any rate, in the process of shooting at deputies, Martinez struck Polk County SWAT team Deputy Samuel Yates in the shoulder. That's according to Judd. Uh, Yates was taken to the hospital and is in excellent condition, according to Judd. He needs surgery to remove some shattered glass from his face. That sounds pleasant. Uh, the shooting broke out after hours of negotiations with Martinez. Authorities said the incident began shortly before 11 p.m. Thursday in Highlands County when deputies tried to pull over an orange Nissan on Highway 627 and 17A that had run a stop sign because they believed the driver was under the influence. When the vehicle didn't stop, deputies began chasing it. Since they were only pursuing the vehicle for traffic charges, the deputies said they were about to stop the chase that the suspect headed into Polk County when they received a 911 call from a woman who said she was being held hostage in the car. That's according to Fox 13. Highland County deputies said uh, they continued the chase for 11 miles until they got to 17A or Scenic Highway and T.S. Wilson Road. That's when, according to Sheriff Judd, the car got stuck in a, quote, high rise and lost traction, forcing the pursuit to come to an end. Judd said they learned the woman being held hostage 
Wait, judge said they learned the woman being held hostage was the driver when the pursuit began and Martinez was in the passenger seat. She was not allowed to stop and was forced to flee from law enforcement. So this one, what was that Charlie Sheen movie back in the day? Uh, was it with Kim Basinger? Was it the chase or getaway? Something where he car, he carjacks the woman and then they go on the chase and then they end up doing it in the car at some point. You know what I'm talking about, Jack? I do not. I'll, man, I'll look it up during the break. I'll... It, it, like I, I can see the VHS cover box. Like walking the aisles of Blockbuster back in the day, I could, could see it in my head. I just can't remember the name of the movie. I think it was Char. I want to say it was Charlie Sheen and Kim Basinger. I could be way off on that. Uh, yes, Polk County deputies arrived at the scene and were led to believe there were three people in the vehicle: Martinez, the woman, and a baby. They tried to get Martinez to peacefully surrender for hours. During that time, so this is during the standoff, Jack. During that time, Martinez was reportedly smoking meth, not complying with authorities. He then asked for water. We said, no problem. Let the baby and the lady out and we'll give you water, Judd said. But the suspect refused. They asked him what they could trade him in exchange for water. And Martinez reportedly threw out a magazine full of ammunition and a handgun. Uh, Quote, he's incredibly erratic. At one time, he threatened suicide. He said he could not let the baby go. And he said he certainly couldn't let the woman go because if he did that, then we would shoot him. We assured him that was not the case and that we wanted to peacefully take him into custody. Uh, Martinez accused the Highlands County Sheriff uh, Highlands County Sheriff's Office of being the Mexican cartel and said they were after him. I'm going to go ahead and guess during the negotiations is not the only time this gentleman consumed methamphetamines. Crisis negotiators arrived. Convinced him to let the woman out of the vehicle long enough to take a bottle of water back with him. She was able to get out of the car, and deputies took her to safety. She was not injured. Good news, there was no baby in the car. Uh, they continued negotiations. The car's wheels were spinning and spinning and throwing rocks everywhere, uh, but it didn't budge because it was stuck in the high center. It was then the SWAT team members introduced a chemical agent to the car, and Martinez started firing shots at them, and they returned fire. Martinez died after being shot multiple times. So... The woman is safe. There was no baby. This cat was smoking meth during negotiations with the police and met what probably was a predictable end if you saw this whole situation unfold from start to finish. Yeah, I uh, hate to say it, but that is not too inconceivable to me. I mean, I feel like these Florida stories, what's going on in that state? Is it the water? Is it... Are there different laws in Florida? Like I said, we we could do a the reason why we would save Florida stories for Friday. We could do one every every day. Those people down there, it's a. I just got back from Florida, went to Disney World. Did you see anybody fun. smoking meth on the middle of the I, highway? No, I didn't see anybody while I was on the you know I was on the rides at Disney World. I didn't go on It's a Small World, and nobody smoked meth there. Although I do think Walt Disney was on acid when he convinced to conceive that thing. Dude, that is. You ever been to Disney World, Jack, and been on It's a Small World? Went when I was six, but I remember the, the the earworm. Dude, it's creepy, isn't it? It's the a dolls? small. It's a small world. Is creepy. I almost think you have to be on meth to like really comprehend what's going on there. It's it's a trip. I didn't. It was one of those deals. Like I couldn't say it was bad or good. I just didn't really know. I was kind of confused. I'll be honest. When the the ride was over, did it make you? Did it make you question your life? Did it make no, you feel but I, something? I did tell Cameron and Craig that I'm pretty sure if you use that as a form of torture, you should be tried for a war crime. I feel like that's most children's entertainment. A lot of you it. You could yeah. just call it torture and play it over and over. It would drive you crazy after probably just a couple hours. All right, Jack, you're going to have to help me with this. I don't know. You you young cats are doing some weird stuff. There's, you know, 
the I, I think you guys in your ways of consuming alcohol, the the butt chugging phenomenon is when it jumped the shark a few years ago. But this is a new one: uh, a Florida teen who was filmed shotgunning an alcoholic drink with a baby alligator in a Hardy's parking lot has been criminally charged. So, Jack, I want I want to show you this image. Uh, you know, you're you're a lifetime Longhorn. You've seen some weird drinking games going on. You ever seen anyone shotgun a beverage with an alligator literally hanging onto the can? No, but I do want to be that guy's friend. He seems like a good time. Uh, Where, yeah. Was this not in Florida as well? No, this was in okay, Florida. Good, okay. The Florida Fish and Wildlife Confers- Conservation Commission reportedly caught wind of a video circulating on social media showing the teenage boy chugging a twisted tea with the alligator's jaws clamped down on the 24-ounce can. An investigation into the 15-second clip Led authorities to charge one of the teens in the video for taking the alligator without a permit. See, this is another thing I like. People just outing themselves, doing nefarious things on social media. So the crime is inappropriately handling an alligator, not underage drinking. Not underage drinking, it's inappropriately (laughs) handling an alligator. The lack of respect and responsibility shown toward this animal was disappointing to see. This serves as a strong reminder of the consequences of such behavior. The Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission said in a statement, the video taken Thursday outside of the popular plant, outside of a popular plant city restaurant, shows one of the group of teenagers pick up the reptile, hold it in the air, and chug the drink before carelessly dropping the animal on the ground. That's I've I've opened many a many a beer can with different methods. You know, you do the the car key gimmick. There's a lot of different ways. Never occurred to me to use an alligator in the process of shotgunning. That's a good idea. I keep one under my kitchen sink. I'll just bust it out next time I want to shotgun a twisted tea. Only in Florida. That does it for hour number one. Hour number two coming up next here on Light the Tower on the Horn. Live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com.